Welcome to the Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning independent pharmacy. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Delisio, North American Sales Director, and Sebastian Dennison, Clinical Compounding Pharmacist. Welcome, Compounding World, and welcome to the latest episode of a Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. This is Mike Delisio. Seb? We're back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How are you? 2022. How's it going? Happy, healthy, excited about change. Yeah. And excited about the new year. More importantly, excited to be standing with our chief scientific officer, Gus Bassani. Hello. 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 Is it safe to say he's like our favorite? Uh, wow. Wow. You're going to step on a lot of toes by saying I that. I know. Yeah. We, we don't want to offend anybody. No. But, hey. but I, I, Gus, I'll take it back. Probably our most entertaining offline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I come across as very serious, but I've said this before. I'm, usually, I'm, a, I'm a goofball. Yep. It take, it's very hard for us to sit down, do this, or stand and record because we go off a million tangents, but we're, we're really happy to have you here. Yeah, it's good to be here. I know our audience appreciates it. Um, we were discussing a lot of the other episodes that you were featured on, and when we were looking at our best of 2021 and picking some of our best moments and our favorite moments, it also brought me back to think from episode one. So we've done 75 episodes to this point over the last three and a half years. And I re-listened to our very first episode with Jim. And Jim kind of gave a you know state of the union, also not necessarily PCCA related, but what's going on in compounding, and that was in 2018. Mm. And then that led me to believe, like, you know what, we really should talk about the future. Because a lot of the topics that we discuss are clinical services related, they're disease states, they're industry partners that are affiliated with us, but we never really just sit down and talk about what's ahead. And I I would say from your position, leading our innovation, today is gonna really be a conversation about what's ahead. From a regulatory point of view, from dosage form, what pharmacies need to prepare for and, and what they really need to, to drill down on and expect from the market and how we're going to be there to support them. So I hope that can be the conversation that we, we discuss, we dive into. Probably the, the best thing for our audience kicking off 2022 and thinking about what's ahead on the horizon and, and where we are as well. Um, and maybe that could be the best starting point. Where are we positioned for the current year and, and you know some of the things that we've taken into consideration. And I know we we touched on it with base technology, but yeah. maybe let's start there. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many different directions we can go with this topic. Um, you know, there's 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 a lot going on in our industry and has there there has been for the past several years. Um, and I'm I'm pleased to report that 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 we we will be launching a new piece of innovation this year, um, and I'm excited about it. I, I think it's going to be great. I won't, I won't, I won't go more than that. I got to, got to keep, got to keep the curtain on the stage closed until the right moment. But the team has been working very, very hard, and I think it's going to be a um, a solution that will be well received by the marketplace and meet a need. Um, so, so I'll dangle that out there uh, for, for, for the audience. But, you know, the regulatory changes are, and, and, and the changes in standards certainly are modifying how we approach 
the building of formulas, the, the delivery of those formulas, the, uh, the preparation of those formulas by pharmacies, and, and that's, that, that can impact um, you know, innovation and, and product development in, 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 a, in a big way. I, I think about, I mean, you just think about innovation in general in our space and, and how can that manifest itself? How, what, what, what do we see as innovation? I mean, we, you, can, you can innovate in, in, in process, so um, meaning automation, you can innovate in, in, I'll call it the order of addition and, and how you, order of addition is, is, a, is, is a term that's often used in patents. You know, the, sometimes the way you can you put things together uh, can make an, an enormous impact on the end result. So how just just by simply changing up the order of how you do things in a process can can be unique and innovative, and, and that's that's something that we that we can sometimes do in our space is just um, working on a process to improve the end result by changing the way we. You know the, the steps up, and that's 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 a big deal, um, and and just simplifying you know the, the the processes. We we think about operational innovation, and I, we see this occurring in our marketplace via. I'm thinking central fill. Mm -hmm. You know, so it makes sense. Not all states allow this, uh, but I think there's a lot of states that 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 do. Um, you know, it, if, if you have multiple stores and you're trying to be more efficient and not duplicate equipment in different different mm -hmm. settings, you know we're, we're, we're seeing some trends some trends there. The probably the spot that we see most, especially in my world, is uh, innovating in drug delivery and, and and formulation. And this is a sweet spot for us over the past forty years is, you know, meeting needs out there that are unmet, and how do you deliver a drug, get it to a site of action more more effectively? Drugs work because they get to a site of action, and uh, so that that's a big piece. A big piece. Pharmacology. We think about pharmacologic innova innovation, using drugs with known pharmacologies in different ways. You know, think about the anti-epileptics being used for, you know, topical pain management or. Or for neuropathic pain, as, as an example, how we dose various drugs um, is 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 a big big part of our world, and we're doing I, I'm, we're doing all of that in, in our space. <laughs> I was going to say you've and, gone over a huge list, and it feels like these are all things we're doing here. So, as 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 I was as we as we were speaking, I couldn't help but think about you know, there's there's a term in the marketing world uh, or business call it business analytics world, uh, called compensating behaviors. And, and, and if, if you haven't heard that term in the context of business, it, it really is about when you, I'll put it simply, you're observing a consumer using a product in a way that you didn't intend it to mm -hmm. be used. Uh, but it identifies a need. And our world, our compounding world, it's, 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 it's a big pool of compensating behaviors sure. you know because we're, we're using drugs at, that are not new molecular entities mm -hmm. but we're using them or we're delivering them in unique ways maybe using them in ways that they weren't originally intended to be used for kind of off-label-ish um, and but that's a source of innovation and uh, I, I think 
it, it's it's such a, a vital piece of healthcare too. You know. Um, anyway, that 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 term kind of came to mind as 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 we were we were speaking here, and 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 back to the the regulatory comment. You know, that's driving some of these compensating behaviors as well. Uh, yeah. It, it, there's there's this whole umbrella of or this narrative that that things there must be evidence-based rationale behind what you're doing there's there's more pressure for evidence more pressure for data data just kind of over overarches all of this and and that is has been a trend and it's going to continue to be a trend is how do we get involved with generating more meaningful data and putting it into a format that can be digested by by regulators, by um, I'll I'll say mainstream science. You know, we hear the term science-based science. You know, it just or um, and there's there's politics and science you know, too. But but at the end of the day, if if you've got good data to back up what you're doing. Uh, you're in a stronger position overall, and that can be a challenge in a marketplace of compensating behaviors and one-offs and unique things. But um, um, so, I think if we, as 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 a whole, as a market, if we can get better at that, it's it's going to help us in the long run. And I know we've got initiatives and and projects ar around that as well. So. I, I kind of see our, our entire industry is built around this relationship of there, there's three of us in this relationship and the innovation is really being spurred by this regulatory piece. We've got patients in need, but then we've got the practitioners and we kind of sit in the middle and we're getting input from all three. And that seems to have an impact on our, on our desire to innovate, but kind of launching off of that perspective of we're getting a lot of input from external sources. And I just wanted to explore, like you, you were talking about literature and PCCA science and some of the innovative efforts that they're putting in and publishing. Um, we're going to get back to R&D because mm -hmm. I, I know that that's a big one and they're also involved in the equipment. But PCCA science, because a lot of people don't realize just how much value or what they're actually doing. So I want you to talk about a little bit about what they're doing because that's actually pushing it forward yeah. a little bit. So. And, th and that goes back to the data piece. Yeah. You know, um, PCCA science, and, and maybe we haven't done a, a good enough job in, 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 in marketing that, that aspect of what, what we do, but it's an important piece, as you indicated, and, and it's, there's a subset of our R&D team that is focused on um, the publication of various studies that we've been involved in, uh, case studies, uh, just you know, getting getting more of what we do into peer-reviewed literature, and, and and targeting journals that maybe we don't that we haven't traditionally targeted. I mean, we always are going to seek to get things published in IJPC because it's 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 an important journal in our space. But to the extent that we can work on getting more of what we do as a, as a market into some of these more mainstream uh, scientific journals, that's, that's, that's important. It's important for um, 
medical practitioners to to kind of broaden their minds and 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 make them aware of options that they may not be aware that they have um, and it, it can certainly help the practices of, of our members so that you know that's that's a that's an important member benefit and we're not you know we're just we're doing that uh, in the interest of advancing our profession and our market and, and and showing the value that compounding pharmacists can have in patient care putting some real data behind it and um, really proud of that team uh, and what they've done and what they are doing I I think there, there and I know there's there's quite a few things in their pipeline that that hopefully we'll start seeing some fruit of those labors here pretty pretty quick. And I, I'm kind of almost seizing upon this part where we've got Dr. Song, we've got Dr. Carvalho, yeah. Dr. Uh, e, or Lee, sorry, um, and they're doing actual science work, not just case study work. They're doing permeation studies, they're doing yeah. tissue studies, and we're publishing those in other journals. I think a permeation study in mm -hmm. veterinary uh, articles. Yeah mucolox adhesion studies and dental journals like we're, we're mm -hmm. kind of pushing this forward so that people can get visibility first yeah. but then it's not just case studies it's not just oh patient x y and z had this it's technical scientific uh and we're that team is taking picking it up and taking forward the science not just here's what our base does it's it, we're definitely going much much deeper yeah yeah that's 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 right and the three people you mentioned are just wicked smart oh, um, terrifyingly they're all, smart they're all phds um and you know dr carvalho she's 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 in the european market and she's got a phd in in compounding you know it's it's not a degree that that we at least i don't think we have in the united states but uh, she was one of the first to, uh, to, to get that in the, in the European market. And she has done a marvelous job of helping to, you know, advance the publication of, of many of these things. And, and Dr. Liu, Yi Liu, um, she's a pharmacist, but also a PhD. And uh, of course, Dr. Song is, is, is her PhD. She came over from MD, MD Anderson, and she does a lot of that cell-based research which uh, when I when I when I mention that to people, uh, they're going, "What? You guys are actually doing that type of work?" I'm like, "Yeah, we are." You know, taking different types of cell lines and and looking at the impact of, of various formulations on like the the production of inflammatory mediators and in psoriatic cells, for example. I know that was mm -hmm. one of those things that she did. Uh, it's just really cool, but meaningful. You know, um, to just put some data behind these these personalized approaches and and uh yeah yeah so I'll, I'll, i think i answered your question yeah it's it's so exciting because that's even though it's in our compounding world it's innovation in the science technology and then we're able to apply it into patients very rapidly once we've got that literature out there mm -hmm. and when you get doctors who are looking at it or providers who are looking at it going "Ooh, how do we achieve this in our patients and so we're providing the solution along with the innovation. So, <clears throat> What's interesting, Gus, something that you said earlier about <clears throat> obviously the data, the, the focus on data, the expansion of a lot of the science <clears throat> that we're working on. But most importantly, I'm trying to think of the, the intent and what this means for the individual independent community pharmacy that is a member of PCCA as well. And what does this mean for the market? 
because if we have the intent of focusing on, you know, more PCCA science, more peer-reviewed literature, more more things that we're doing on the back end to support the market, what's the goal from all that, and what does this mean for our membership? Well, obviously the the approaches that we're highlighting in literature are not mass-produced commercial products, right? So they're they're going, you know, as 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 practitioners read this literature, and I'll you, you uh, Seb, you brought up the uh, the dental side of things, and so we last year we 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 published a uh, article. That's a study we performed at Brigham and Women's. With a particular researcher there, and a member was initially involved in that, but it was it was dexamethasone in mucolox versus dexamethasone commercial solution, and the study was designed to evaluate the objective and subjective impact of the mucolox delivery system. So, if you have a a a, a more profoundly mucoadhesive base that increases contact time and and also provides a better film over the surface of these oral inflammatory issues in this case it was oral lichen planus does that make an impact and it was a 25 patient study i think i have that number right so relatively small but but meaningful and and it did make an impact and so that was published in a a very well known oral medicine journal, um, and other oral medicine specialists will read that. Mm -hmm. And so the next time that they have patients with these types of disorders, where do you, where do you go to get that? You know, how can I, how can I take that same approach with my patient and see if it can make a difference? Um, well, you, you do that by working with a PCCA member a compounding pharmacist, and and that's that's the intent of these, of of this literature is, ultimately, so that practitioners will, are are are, are more aware of that option. Now there's some data, and I want to use that approach. Now I've got to talk to a compounding pharmacist, PCCA member, and um, uh, and that's our intent. And yeah, how can our better our members better use? the information that's out there that's published to get the word out because there's there's obviously that's a challenge how we get the word out to the masses how the pharmacies and their communities get the words out to the physicians that are local so what needs to be done or improved on because that's almost an innovation is the link between the data the science the work that we're putting in and then the education piece mm -hmm. um, so where do you see that evolving and changing in the next couple of years well, a couple quick thoughts. One is you, you do need to be aware of the regulatory constraints around making claims. You know, um, our intent here is not for a pharmacy to go and say, hey, you can use this to treat X, Y, or Z, because then you're making a claim around something. And that, and that you got to be careful with that, mm -hmm. okay? The intent is is to raise awareness of of an approach, and 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 show, hey, here's an example of something that we could do for you, doctor, uh, and your patients, if you have patients that um, 
or you're having particular challenges with, and I'm again going back to that that oral medicine specialist. You know, here's here's an example of something that could be accomplished. Um, not, hey, we've got this for the treatment of oral lichen planus. That's that would be an inappropriate mm-hmm. statement, and that's not our that's not the intent of this. Right. Uh, it, it it it's it's about drug delivery. It's about uh, creating a dosage form that increases the contact time of an active at, at a site of action. That, that's what that's about. Right. Okay. Um, so we got to, you just got to be cognizant of, of, of that piece. Um, did I answer your question? That, I think you did, but it's also, you know, still the, the weight and the responsibility at the pharmacy level to ensure that the communication piece to the physician is still sound and it's it's not crossing lines of of making claims so i think that's really important but but i i think the innovation piece would interest me and this is high level gus and i don't don't want to put you on the spot too it's like hey we're doing all this great work there's so much happening on the back end our pharmacies are doing great work what's the missing piece in terms of linking that to the physicians creating a wider audience for certain dosage forms or delivery systems that are just potentially unaware because that that increases the volume and the knowledge of compounding, and that also creates, in a perfect world, database science behind what we're doing as an organization as well. So I view it as an incredible thing, and and propels us to the future. So it's like, yeah. is there a, another th- step that we need to focus on as an organization, as an industry, mm-hmm. that could lead to further innovation, further uptake, further acknowledgement of what these pharmacies are doing. Yeah. You, you just touched on probably one of the biggest challenges that we've had over the last right. 40 years, and that is making the medical establishment more aware of the fact that they have this tool in their toolbox that they can, they can use. Um, and, you know, slowly but surely we've been chipping away at some of this and, 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 and making physicians and other prescribers <clears throat> more aware that they have this tool and, and, and we need to do a better, better job of that uh, collectively, not just PCCA, but just as, as a market and getting, getting that information out there. Um, I, I, I think, and another thought that just came to mind is when you talk about personalized medicine and I do, I do see a time, I do see a day where there will be more direct links between um, dosing and drug delivery with a, a patient's physiology or biology or, or disease state. And what do I mean by that? I think about, you'll hear terms emerging more and more like metabolomics and biomarkers of response and pharmacogenomics. And you know, what, what does all that mean? And it just, you know, I think... We as pharmacists, we, we understand pharmacogenomics. It's a you know, your genetic predisposition of you know, how you metabolize a drug or how you may respond to a drug. As, we, as that science advances, will, you know, will there be more and more links to your specific dosing SEB for a particular drug? I, I, we're, we're getting there. It's still very much in its infancy, has been for mm-hmm. some time, but it's, there's more and more stuff coming out. Um, you know, biomarkers of response is... is Think of you know, how you express a particular receptor, um, and and so you've got this this merging area of personalized diagnostics 
you know, big pharma has their own view of personalized medicine. Usually it's biologics for a specific, you know, genetic uh, uh, variant of a, a disease. And, um, okay, that's, there's nothing necessarily bad about that approach, but there's also this area that, that we play in, and that is customized dosing and, and drug delivery. Um, and so to the extent that we, when this all comes together, you know, you'll need to be able to prepare customized dosages of various drugs based upon some very clear data-driven um, uh, realities or facts, and that's, you know, uh, what's, what's the pharmacogenomics or, uh, or these other areas I just brought up. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a cool area. And I, and I, you know, and then there's, then there's the whole, how can that be, you know, automated and scaled and all that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, there's some pretty neat stuff on the horizon, but I, at the end of the day, got a lot of people out there, individuals that all, um, whose physiologies are unique. And, and so how do you, I still think compounding is going to be a big part of the future. And I've always said it just may look and, and feel a little bit differently and, and we're, we're getting there. I'm excited about the future of technology and the diagnostics and the pharmacogenomics, but that might still be a little ways off. Um, some of the things that I have seen over the last few years, though, that have really advanced what we're doing in the pharmacy level are some of the technological advances we've done here at PCCA. Everything from our capsule machine back in the day to um, new technologies such as the RAM eight-ish years ago, and then more recently, things like the FlacTech, where we've seen a real development and surge forward in our ability to develop new dosage forms. So, Gus, I'm, I'm going to put this back to you. Kind of walk us through what we're thinking here at PCCA. Now, yeah, you, 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 you bring up a great topic, and, um, and that's automation. And how do you... And it's not just about efficiency, but it's also about consistency and quality. Uh, anytime a human being is involved in a process, you're going to have the potential for some variability. You know, oh, that kind of hurts my feelings. I know, I know. That, that people worry, oh, okay, you know, robots. I mean, it's we're, we're going to be out of a job or you know, <laughs> no, that kind <laughs> of thing. Um, not necessarily, but yeah. someone's got to watch the robot. Right, right, and but that doesn't change the realities about there's still physical and chemical issues in formulations that you, you have to be on top of. And that, that, that takes, that takes knowledge and expertise, but, but, uh, in terms of making preparations time and time again, the same each time. And, and it, there's, there's, there's a lot of advantages to, to this type of automation. And that was, that was the spirit of, you know, the capsule machine, of course, the Janssen capsule machine that there, that's a, semi-automated process. I mean, it just allows you to, to do more, but it's a hand, you know, hand process. Um, RAM, RAM, it's, it, the focus there was powder mixing and doing it quickly and efficiently and, and in a repeatable way. Uh, and that, we, we continually hear that, that that's been a game changer for, for people to do a lot of powders. While the technology behind the RAM could potentially be used for semi-solids. That's not really what it was intended to do. I mean, because you do have some air entrapment, you know, that can happen with semi-solids. And this is where the FlacTech came in. Uh, the that that technology um, has done great with 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 creams, and and, um, and people have used it in, in other creative ways. It can also do 
do some do some powders, but but definitely the the, the semi solids is a is a sweet spot for for the flak tech and suspensions I think too, so we we are continuing to evaluate other types of technology that um, can be kind of the working mule of of of, of compounding and uh, free pharmacists up uh, to do other things. Uh, free technicians up to do other things and 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 improve efficiency improve quality and consistency so that's a big deal yeah. and um, you you should expect that that more of these types of tools will be coming down the pipe um, it's just it's needed and I think as you've alluded to it's that consistency and that's going to be an expectation especially with that development of testing and, and expectation of quality control and quality assurance sure. through the time. So yeah. I, I, I always look at it as um, less so if someone's watching the robot, but someone is using a tool. It's, it's a very unique tool, but it's still very much um, operator intensive. Like there's a lot that goes around that. It's, yeah, piece. it's not fully automated. Yeah, it's not like you've got buckets of drugs and they mix right. different times like that's right. that's manufacturing we're still talking about compounding and individualized usage absolutely so. absolutely and 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 that's when we when we do studies whenever possible we seek to bracket the yeah. studies so low low concentrations high concentrations that way everything in between you can use that that BUD data on you know, mm -hmm. think about the formula plus studies that we we do and those those are, you know, those are expensive studies to do, and that's that's why we do them because we know that you know, not every pharmacy in every situation has the money to 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 spend on some of these these stability indicating um, uh, studies, but they are needed, and and we've learned a lot through doing them, but but the but the bracketing gives that kind of flexibility, and so by using a particular device. You know, we write a formula that's specific to a device. You know, we have we have flak tech formulas. If you go into the formula mm -hmm. database, there are formulas that were made using the flak tech, and we've done, we are in doing studies, and we have done studies. And why do we do that? Because sometimes the method by which you make a preparation can impact its physical or chemical stability. You know, the mechanical forces, heat, that kind of thing, mm -hmm. comes into play. So you you, you just again. Got to build it. You know, got to have some data mm -hmm. that you can uh, demonstrate that 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 the formulation that you're making is 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 a good is of high quality and it's optimized. Yeah. I yeah. think that's what's really cool too is the mixing time and the speed and you know how it reacts and making sure that we have the data to make sure there's no degradation or that you know the API is dispersed properly. All those types of things, which is probably what you're alluding to, is. Absolutely how something that can be included in a pharmacy setting is also optimized and then validated through us takes the worry away from the, from the member. I think that's the ideal goal and the intent behind all that. Mm -hmm. Peace of mind, um, solid science, and um, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I want to say there was one member who's, who actually made the comment to me, and it was a pretty profound comment at the time. He said, without the Beyond You study, then I, how am I ever going to, give a patient what they need. Whereas the value of the one beyond you state study to my practice is 
the worth the price of PCCA membership. It was literally that much to, to that particular practice on one formula. Yeah. And we've got how many now? 164, I believe? More than that, Seb. We're, we're pushing the 200 mark. Mm-hmm. Now, so. It always changes. I never try to throw out a number because it always goes yeah, up. Yeah, it always and goes up. And then you're like, well, yeah, that, was, that was 2021, Mike. That was a while back. Yeah. You know, on the note of, of Beyond New States, and we talked about this in the base technology podcast that we recorded with Daniel. But you know, is it safe to say that you know, a few years into the anhydrous market, are are we really proud and and are we on the right track of the base development as it pertains to anhydrous solutions and, and, and base technology that has completely changed the game for for pharmacies? Yeah, I, th- I think I think it's been I think it's been a great thing for our members. I think it's been um, good for patient care too. Look, anhydrous systems. Now, granted, you know we know some of the motivation behind it is the desire to have better beyond use states with an anhydrous system, but. There are inherently challenges with anhydrous systems. They're not always ideal for every clinical scenario. Um, you know, you, you think about oral preparations, for example, it may not be ideal for a, a, a very young child because you do worry about some aspiration or certain situations like that. Um, and they behave uniquely, and they're not always completely inert either you know and and um, the more we've studied them the more we've used them in formulas and observed various behaviors the we've learned so much and 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 we've we've identified sometimes uh, some anhydrous systems with certain actives don't don't work and so it's not a universal for everything just stick it in just throw it into an anhydrous system you're okay and i know I've heard, heard that said, and I get where they're coming from, trying to establish a, a better beyond you state. But you know, on, I can tell you that on, on our side of the fence, we're continuing to do, even though these things are anhydrous, we're studying them. We're studying formulations in, the, in those systems uh, just to try, to try to identify those, those scenarios when maybe it doesn't work out. You know? and, and, and there's unique delivery challenges like the the topical permeation enhancing like permeate when you've got an anhydrous system the uh, diffusion of the active out of the system into the skin and and it's it's a different dynamic than in an oil and water scenario so there was a lot of work put into designing those 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 vehicles uh, you know doing the france diffusion cell work to establish that okay yeah we can deliver actives into and through human skin using this completely anhydrous system, both, both hydrophobic and hydrophilic molecules. Um, but it, overall, the, the anhydrous delivery systems have, have been great tools. And uh, as we learn more and more, you know, we, I would anticipate that we could, we could see more of those in, in the future. And it's great for on the, on the on the pharmacy side because you generally speaking have better stability like i said it's not an absolute 100% some things for whatever reason may may not be compatible but for the most part it's better much better stability 
and you don't have the water present that can drive microbial concerns. You know, in, in, a, in a high water activity scenario, it's going to support the growth of microorganisms if it's not preserved adequately. And then you're adding various actives into that system, and there may be an interaction with the preservative system that you didn't fully you know, appreciate, and then you've got, you've got a microbial issue. So, so having an anhydrous system just eliminates that. That, that potential, and so that, that, that's, I think that's important. Um, but it's a unique field. Uh, I think there's, there's plenty of room for, for innovation in the anhydrous space, and um, it's been fun. It's been fun working with some of those dosage forms. And I, I think that the, the innovation in that respect is also gonna carry our practice forward because rules are not going to lessen so much as they're going to become refined. Mm-hmm. Is that a better way to? Explain it. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, listen, there's there's a lot of concern from regulators about patient safety, and that that's good. I mean, right? That's that's their job. The, that's their job. <laughs> State boards of pharmacy, FDA, are there to, to protect public health, and um, and so you know what what we're trying to do is 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 to mitigate some of that risk, build data and information. To support what we're doing, um, and so and that 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 helps patient care, but it also helps to alleviate concerns from the regulators because they've got more information. I mean, yeah. you, you've got you've got some data to justify what you're doing, um, and 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 prescribers too. How how is that? I, I I had a lot of fun, Gus, having you back because it gives our audience really great glimpse into what we're doing and sometimes it's not as obvious so i think that's why it's so amazing to pull you into this podcast because it sheds light on all the work that we're doing but it's not only for today it's it's really for tomorrow Mm -hmm. and yeah um i know i realized some of the stuff we talked about was kind of out there up in the you know kind of fluffy maybe not super specific and some of the things that we are doing behind the scenes we have to keep quiet until the right moment because we're working I think on that's stuff. fine and I yeah. think our audience understands too there's a balancing act there's certain things that are proprietary and that we don't know will come to market and we don't want to give any guarantees but there are things behind the scenes that are going to change the game yeah but also there's things that are available to both the public audience to to members of PCCA that you know have shifted the industry and will continuously shift the industry into another direction and I think the goal from, you know, or the intent for us as an organization is to support what the changes are going to be and provide, you know, the tools, the resources and everything that pharmacies depend on us for. So it's, it's a cool marriage of what's available and what's out there and also what we're working on because it's, it's almost like our position or our significance in the market. And I think a lot of what you talk about sheds light onto all that. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's great to be here and talk about some of the stuff. Just know that we have so much passion, so much passion in our R&D group for patient care. Um, and we understand the regulatory environment and, and um, the challenges there. We, we want, at the end of the day, we want to advance personalized medicine. We want there to be options for patients. And... Um, and we understand that we need to 
generate some data. We need to, to, to learn more about how to do this better. And um, I'm just so proud of our team. They're just, they're just, they've done an awesome job. And I'm excited for the listeners of this podcast to see the great things we've got coming. And this is great, great to sit here and just pontificate. <laughs> well, it's you, been fun. You, you talked well, about the advancement of personalized medicine, and I know this is not the last time we're going to talk about it, and you'll definitely be back in a few years from now, and we'll review well, a lot of the stuff that you brought up, and we'll say, hey, what happened with all this, yeah. and what are we doing now? And it's, it'll, it's ever in flux. It will always be changing, and that's kind of the cool stuff that we do. I think we should have them back at the next launch, next product launch. I think that is a definite. And then we then we can ramp them up and get them excited, and then bring on the yeah, you got to you got to bring Daniel, it. you got to bring Daniel into it. We'll as do well. that. But you know what? The funny thing is, Gus, you always talk about how much fun, and I always talk about how much fun we have before and after the podcast. Mm-hmm. If you listen to this episode, it's like these guys are not joking around. It's it's so serious, <laughs> but we 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 do have a blast. We appreciate that. You take time out of your schedule. Like I, we were talking about the advancement of personalized medicine. There, there's no better person in our organization to touch on all this than our chief scientific officer, Gus Bassani. So Thanks. just thank you for coming. Pleasure, pleasure having you. It's great to be here. Now we can, you know, we can. Now we can joke around. Now we can joke around. There you go. Right. And thank you to all of our listeners out there. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. It was really an awesome glimpse into the future. And as always, if you do want to stay connected with us, I know Gus talked about our PCCA science portal. You can definitely find that on both our public website, pccarx.com. Just scroll down to the bottom and you'll find a link to PCCA science. And same for our members who have access to our members-only website. Uh, To stay connected with us on socials, as always, to follow us on LinkedIn, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And obviously stay connected with us through our website for all pertinent information. But until next time, this is Mike Delizio. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.